0: I'd like to welcome everyone to Sunday service. Just saw two old friends walk in the door. Many more on the internet. We're very glad you could join us. My name is Ananta. This is my wife, Maria. And our topic today is dogmatism versus common sense. This is from the book, Rays of the One Light. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus warns, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree Bringeth forth fruit, evil fruit. Bringeth forth evil fruit. (laughs) A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit; neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Jesus here, as indeed many times during his teaching, counsels people to use their God-given common sense and not to rely on high-flown but undemonstrable claims. Common sense goes beyond abstract reason, for it is rooted in actual experience. Even common sense, however, is deficient when the judgment called for goes beyond sensory experience. Ultimately, what he emphasizes always, therefore, was intuitive perception. Thus, he expected more of his disciples— Than crude common sense, and often scolded them for being too literal minded, as he did elsewhere when they thought his statement, I have meat to eat that ye know not of, meant that he had steaks or sandwiches secreted about his person. His reference, of course, was to spiritual, not material substance. Words, even though appearing in the scriptures, are no substitute for direct perception of truth. Therefore, The Bhagavad Gita says in the second chapter, The sage who knows God has as little need for the scriptures as one might have for a pond when the whole land is covered in flood. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
1: Nanda said on the way over, "It's good we didn't do this reading before the week of inner renewal. <laughs> no need for the scriptures." <laughs> <So. clears throat> okay. Of course, there's a reason for that. But anyway, it's kind of cute. Okay, <clears throat> Yoga Nanda's whispers from eternity. Demand for the pearls of wisdom obtained in the sea of meditation. Divine Father, teach me to dive deep for the pearls of thy wisdom in the ocean of meditation. Teach me to plunge headlong, protected in the diving suit of conscience, that the sharks of passion may not destroy me. If by one or two divings I find not thy wisdom pearls, Let me not call the sea of meditation devoid of any pearl of thy wisdom. Teach me, rather, to find fault with my own diving. Teach me to dive again and again in meditation, deeper and deeper always, until I find thine immortal pearls of wisdom and of joy divine. I want to just take the opportunity to thank everyone here and beyond for just a wonderful Inner Renewal Week. All of the preparations, the kitchen staff, the setup, the takedown, the kirtan, the initiations. It is, uh, it's just amazing, isn't it, that we have this opportunity in a renewal week, spiritual renewal week, and we can come together like this as guru buys and share in this kind of way, it just never ceases to amaze me. So our service this morning is on dogmatism versus common sense. And Yogananda, he tells of a time when he was speaking with a fundamentalist preacher, a preacher who had depended on a very literal translation of the Bible. And Yogananda said to him, How is it that this snake speaks to Eve? (laughs) And the preacher goes quiet for a moment and with total assurance says, In those days, snakes could talk. (laughs) And Yogananda, I bow to the colossal temple of ignorance in you. And he you know, we look at this story and we laugh at it, but how many times, probably in some incarnation and another, this incarnation, have we ourselves been hooked by some dogmatism, some, in some way, be it the spiritual life or life itself. The masters, Jesus, Krishna, Buddha, all of them, They want us to understand. They don't want to rob us of that opportunity. They don't want us to uh, follow them blindly. They want our enlightenment. They wish and hope for enlightenment. Yogananda said, I want to give each of you an experience of him. They want that for us. They want us to know from inside our own selves What they are saying, what they are offering, so that we are on that, residing on that same plane of consciousness and being as they are, because they see us there already. They don't see us as here and them up here, but we are all sharing in that knowledge, in that divine wisdom through our own inner experience. And if we follow in this life teaching blindly, growth stops. It all stops. We go nowhere. It's so essential to this path, our path, what we've been given. It's so essential to our knowing of God. Yukteswar, before Yogananda met him, he said he went to a forest hermitage and he observed there a certain teacher, a very renowned spiritual teacher, And he observed the way he taught, really the way that teaching is given from way back in time in ancient India. And he observed this teacher. He was seated there, the disciples around him. They all had their Gita open. And he had them at a particular passage for about a half an hour or so. Then he had them close the book, close their eyes, and sit in meditation. And about a half an hour went by. And then he said, maybe a singular comment, had them close their eyes, keep them closed, another half an hour goes by. And he said then to them, does anyone here feel like they've understood this passage? Well, one of the disciples gathered there, I do, I think I do. And the master says, no, not fully yet. (coughs) Silence. Another hour goes by. Nothing is said. He dismisses all of the disciples except for Sri Yukteswar. And he turns to Yukteswar and he says, do you feel like you understand the Bible? And Yukteswar said, my eyes, though my eyes have passed through it many times, no, no. I have not fully understood this scripture. And then the teacher smiles at him in blessing. And this was how uh, Yukteswar taught Yogananda. This is how Yogananda taught Swamiji. This is how Swamiji has taught us. Whenever Yogananda came to Yukteswar, uh, when Yukteswar was sharing the teachings with him, Yukteshwar said, Yogananda, you must know this. And when Yogananda said, when he first came to Yukteshwar, Yukteshwar said at that time, many teachers will ask you, will you know, get you to believe in them, and then they'll expect you to follow their logic and everything. He said, they'll pop out your eyes of reason, expect you to follow everything. That's how he said it. And he said, but I want you to use your eyes of reason, and I will give you the third eye of wisdom. And so that's our lineage, that's our heritage. We have these sacred scriptures, we have this sacred teaching, we have these techniques, but all along the way, our heritage, our legacy, is one of these great masters telling us that we, through our own experience, Our own inner attunement can realize God, can know these truths for ourselves. And so we start with our own experience. You know, we look at life and what do we see? How does it make us feel? Do we feel uplifted? Do we feel inspired by it? When I first came to Ananda, I came on the weekend by coincidence of Swami Kriyananda's birthday. I was asked to come down for an interview to see whether I was fit <laughs> to attend the Summer Apprenticeship Program. And so I did, I drove down from Portland where I was going to school at the time. And the party was celebrated outside of Jotitian Davies' dome. This was right before the fire. And there were just some logs out there. Everyone was in a circle, a small gathering. Swamiji was there. And I remember sitting there and looking at him. And mind you, I hadn't read the autobiography. I didn't know it existed. Swamiji hadn't read the path. I hadn't read the path. I was pretty clueless on every level. I was coming to Ananda to learn how to meditate. That's all I knew. And I was sitting there and I was looking at him. And I thought, here is an individual who knows more than I know. Here is an individual who knows more than I will probably ever know. And that was it. I just, I understood by the grace of God this, a little bit of this person, a little bit of this individual. So what what does it feel like? What are we experiencing? Is it something that uplifts us? Is it something that inspires us in our life? In our practices, a number of years ago, I was part of a pilgrimage from Sacramento going with Guru there to India. And we went, of course, to the places sacred to our guru and our line of masters. And we went also to the ashram of Niam Karoli Baba. And you might know him because his disciple, his Western disciple, Swami Ramdas, is so famous. That's perhaps how most of us know him or have even heard of him. But we went to that ashram, and one of the people um, who I was uh, with at a certain point, she was a Kriyaban longtime devotee, never heard of him. And we were in that ashram, and we were able to go into his bedroom, which we were told not many people are allowed into. We were able to sit in front of a very large uh, representation, murti of him, made out of marble. It even had his little, if you've seen pictures of him, he always has this little plaid blanket and this little sort of fisherman cap or ski cap on his head. And it was just like that. It was, it was a little weird because it was pretty real. <laughs> And, um, but afterwards, this person said to me, what, where have we just been? Who is this? What, what is this? They were just completely bowled over by the experience. You know, they didn't know this person, never heard of this person. But again, what does it feel like? How does it make us feel? And that's what we always need to ask ourselves. That's really the base there. And then, does it resonate with scripture? Does it resonate with the lives of the saints? When Swami Kriyananda was with his guru, just a short time, and he, in those days, being a neophyte, a spiritual neophyte, he was, he was just bombarded with so many things you know this will help you try this fast read this read about this saint you know meditate this way just on and on and on and on and he was he was overwhelmed with all of the the things that one could do or try to have a spiritual experience and finally he sorted it out this way he decided if anyone said anything to him he decided to ask them did master say it And as he started to attune his consciousness to that, to his guru, because his guru for him, you know, again, he didn't have any background for this in this life on a certain level, and yet intuitively just asking, what does this feel like? What is this experience like? What does this consciousness feel like to me? And he knew in Yogananda, here is someone real, Here is someone of God consciousness. So what does he say? Is it true? Is it true? Because if he says it's true, then at least let me use that as pole star and go in that direction and stay on that solid path until I get firm and deeper within my own self. And then, how does it affect others? How does that... Uh, you know, to know what is true, to know what is real. How do other people respond to it? How do they experience it? Devi and Jotish wrote in a letter recently while they were still in India. Swamiji had just come in on the plane from Kolkata to Mumbai. And he was walking off the plane, didn't say anything. And this little old man came up and said, who is that? Who is that man? He is a great Atman, a great soul. India needs more like him. He didn't know Swamiji, didn't hear Swamiji was coming, that he was lecturing, that he was arriving at the airport. But he just knew. He just went inside himself, and he could recognize that. When Yogananda came to this country, He, uh, at an event on the East Coast, he lectured at Carnegie Hall. And he asked some of the disciples who were with him, should we chant? You know, these are people, there were a couple thousand people there, thousands of people. And some people said no, some were indifferent about it. Yogananda said, we're going to chant. Not only are we going to chant, but he chanted, Oh, God, beautiful. That's a lot of words. If you're, not new to, you know, if you're new to chanting, if you're not used to that practice, then you've got all these words, and you've got this Indian man leading it, and, and he's not that easy to understand. And some references say they chanted a couple hours, an hour anyway, a long time. They kept chanting this chant, "O oh God, beautiful, honoring God in all of creation, in all manner of expression, through human consciousness, kindness and love and sympathy and the river and the mountains, all of this. At thy feet, O oh, I do bow, O oh God, beautiful." And Yogananda said, "At the end of that, chanting, from that chanting as a consequence of that inner experience many people experienced healing on some level, be it physically, of spiritual ignorance, whatever. You know, again, just that openness to the experience, that receptivity, and how does it feel? There is no room for who is this man? What is he leading us in? What is this chanting all about? The experience spoke for itself. And those who really attuned to it and the consciousness behind it were changed from that singular event. Swamiji says that as far as common sense, I mean, that is a valuable tool. But he says when we use common sense, don't don't get caught in the ego, you know, I have such an ability to figure out these things, you know. But to feel that quality, to feel that attribute as divinely given, that God is behind it, Divine Mother is behind it, Divine Mother is, you know, watching that whole experience and gleaning from that what is real and what is not real through us, through you. And then he says also, be patient, be patient, and let truth, let fallacy reveal themselves as they always do. The real and the unreal, it's, you know, if we just wait a little while, we'll be able to see through it. And then ultimately he says, we do have to go beyond common sense, that even common sense is limiting. It's limiting. And we have to go deeper into that consciousness of inner awareness, intuitive perception, where we really know, as Yukteswar said to Yogananda, you must know this from your own experience. And so this is where meditation is so important, attunement to the consciousness of the masters. Jesus, before, just before the crucifixion, when he was with them, and he said, you know, he told them he was going to leave, but I will leave you the Comforter. The Comforter will come to you. And Master said, this is the Om, the vibration of om of, of omniscience, of omnipresence, of all-knowing. And in that vibration, through that vibration, You will come to understand all things. All things will be revealed to you. And you will know my presence in that vibration. And you will have wisdom. And so this was a great... I love those words. I love those words. They are so satisfying. They are so complete. And as we enter into that vibration, that's what you feel. Comfort. Divine comfort. You know no matter what happens, we're in that vibration, we're on solid ground. And to listen for that sound, to listen for it in meditation, to listen for it in this world and outer activity, you know, for days now, weeks, the cranes have been flying overhead. And all the birds, I said to Ananta this morning, that's the tohi, he's here. You know, they're coming. And you just hear all of this sound It's the Aum within and the Aum without. And the deeper that we go into that, the more we know intuitively what is real, what is not real. Jesus said, Ye who continue in my word, ye are my disciples. Ye who are in that vibration of consciousness, in the Aum, you know what is real, you know what is unreal.